Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Cameron Pope to my Benjamin Franklin Gates. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? I'm looking forward to my freedom. Yeah, well, I think we need to steal the Declaration of Independence and our very own Dr. Stanley Goodspeed. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, <laughs> what do winners do? Don't say it. This is a PG podcast now. Can't say it. Can't say it. I know oh you want gosh. to. Yeah, oh. yeah. That's uh... <sighs> <laughs> this is a tease for something later tonight. And, you know, I really hope this movie doesn't make the list, but I think it will. But we'll, we'll save that. Wait, we'll save you that. hope this movie. D- all right. Well, now podcast is over. <laughs> Pack it up. Uh, I had this all this stuff, and uh, I think we should just let it go because Eric Because is... somebody wants to deny the only great Michael Bay movie. Yeah, it's like the only Michael Bay movie that doesn't suck. Uh, uh, no, it, uh, Bad Boys 1 doesn't suck. And Transformers 1 doesn't suck. It's fine. It's All right, it's, now we're getting into a different, it's, a terrible it's, five. It's, uh, it's certainly a movie. We can't get to five Bay movies to put on the I think list. This is, the the Island? The AFC South <laughs> is just seeping into this podcast. Moving um, forward, gentlemen. Okay, so uh, not a lot of Seahawks news this week. Uh, kind of that everyone just regurgitated the same stories from last week, but there was NFL news that I think we should react to and maybe give a little update because we already did the AFC East. So the New England Patriots do what they always do, which is for some somehow, some way, everything always seems to work out for them. It is so annoying. It is one of my biggest pet peeves, but they have Cam Newton, former MVP, fall into their lap. He is going to be making a maximum of seven and a half million dollars next year to play quarterback for the New England Patriots. They retain his right, their rights to uh, to franchise tag him, or they can let him go and get probably like a third round pick back after he resuscitates his career. All in all, it's the most Patriots thing that's happened lately, and it's so frustrating. Um, all right, well, Eric, what was your initial reaction just to when you heard the news? Like Cameron Newton is going to be on the. Patriots how did what, what was your reaction it was something like I grabbed a stack of papers I threw it up in the air and I said of course and then I just walked away <clears throat> my wife said why are there papers on the floor and I just grumbled um <laughs> it's we knew this would happen we knew the Patriots were not going to go into 2020 or whatever 2020 is going to look like with Stan Gelbach quarterback we knew that was going to happen um this is how he this guy's sitting out there he could take any amount of money. There was there was none of this Jadavian clowny talk of, you know, well, Cam Newton's not going to take less than this much per year. It was just all quiet. So, yeah, it makes perfect sense. And Cam Newton will have the greatest season of his career. Yeah, I don't... Done. Pass. I'm, I'm angry. <laughs> you know how I feel about Cam Newton, and you know how I feel about the Patriots. I... Them perfect match and i'm very upset about it so people maybe don't know my dad is like the biggest patriots hater of all time would you agree with that eric like i don't think i don't even think my dad likes the seahawks as much as he likes hates the patriots that's how much he hates the patriots i asked him like dad what do you think about this cam newton thing man isn't it crazy like they're gonna be they're gonna be back in the playoffs again and he goes eh it's not that big a deal and i'm like what you hate the patriots he goes uh, I think I just hated Tom Brady. I really don't want Tampa Bay to make the playoffs. <laughs> oh wow! It's <laughs> like, oh dang, this That's is crazy. What? Yeah, it was like a, it was like an all time plot twist. Like, oh Proving man, the... once and for all, you're never too old to find yourself. <laughs> it's like, it's like, he's like, he says, yeah, it's. I don't want the Patriots to win the Super Bowl, but as long as they make it farther than the than the Buccaneers, I'll be happy. <laughs> It's like wow, that's a that's some ether to throw at Tom Brady, man. That's brutal. So, so officially, John Santo on the side of time, not Tom. Yeah, time. Yeah, he wants time to win for <laughs> sure. He is not. He hates uh, uh, concussion water and uh, all that other weird stuff that Tom Brady does. He's just not a big fan. So you heard it here first, folks. Tom Brady not as good as the Matrix. So, yeah the the thing for me about this whole thing is that. You know, Jared Siddham was a complete unknown. He had thrown four passes in the NFL, and one of them was an interception up to this point, right? He's just, we knew nothing about Jared Siddham. There, there, the sky was the limit, but also the, the the basement was as low as you can go, right? He could have been literally the worst quarterback in the NFL. We have no idea. Then they go and get Cam Newton, so an ex-MVP who has struggled, but at for the first half of 2019, uh, 2018 when he was healthy and he had Norv Turner as his offense coordinator, it looked like he was kind of, 
coming back into his own, right? It looked like he was going to be a really good football player again. And then he got hurt again, tailed off, and then hasn't really been the same. Uh, never was able really to get back on the field and at 100%. It's a question mark only in terms of health. If he's healthy, we know he's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And that's terrifying for a team that runs as well as the Patriots with an offensive mind like Josh McDaniels at the helm to get a talent like that for basically nothing. They are cap strapped. This was not something they could really afford to do if they had to actually back up the money truck. But luckily for them, they didn't. They didn't have to back up the money truck. They just get it just kind of fell into their lap. And so I um I hate it. It's annoying, but I'm excited to see what McDaniels can do with Cam Newton from like a football a football guy perspective. Um, it's a very good defense and an offense that has uh, pros and cons. They don't have good wide receivers. I think they have a plan, though. It looks like they have a plan in place. They just need their offensive line to stay healthy, which has been a problem in recent years. But at least it looks like they have a direction and a plan. I like it. I like the, I like what they're trying to do. I think that they should be really competitive. It's not a great division. You know, the Dolphins and the Jets both have issues. And I'm not super crazy about the Bills either. Uh, Kevin, what did this do to your like win loss projection for the Patriots? What were you at before, and what were you at after? I was at seven and nine, and I am now at eight and eight. Oh, you only improved them by one win. I'm surprised by that. What did, what uh what what kind of brought you to that conclusion? So Cam Newton hasn't had a good hasn't had really even like a particularly good season since his MVP season all the way back in 2015. He was a fringe top 20 quarterback for 2016 and 2017. Um, He had that good start to 2018 and then petered out and there were big health questions. And then there, you know, he was hurt in 2019 and his play style has you questioning his ability to stay healthy. At this point, we have almost a decade of data on Cam Newton and we have one excellent season out of him 2015 outside of 2015 he's shown to be like probably a top 15 quarterback he knocks on the door of the top 10 um it really depends on what you can get out of the running game but the thing that is interesting to me is that i think mcdaniel's a better oc than he's had over at least his run since the super bowl and so i'm interested in seeing what McDaniels can get out of Cam Newton, but I don't think there's a ton of talent on that offense for him to throw to. And so I think it might be kind of same old story. So you're not, sta- you're not out here standing Nikhil Harry. <laughs> uh, nope. Not really, not really big on a, a Devin Funches 2.0. Yeah. And so I think we could get a similar season. We saw in like 2016 or 2017 out of him, which like he <clears throat> provides a really good floor. We went from going into the season going, man, the Patriots could have the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. Their starting quarterback might be like a fringe top 35 quarterback. So now we're going, okay, their their starting quarterback will be at worst a fringe top 20 quarterback. That's a significant upgrade, but I just think their schedule is brutal. And no matter what, they're relying on an admittedly really good defense, but uh, I'm just not sure they can handle, handle that schedule that way. The through week nine of 2018, he had a really that was a really good stretch of games. And then he got uh, he got hurt in the New England game. So maybe it's like a um, or he got hurt in the New England game in 2019. Huh? It's a long con, though. Maybe he maybe Belichick was like, let's get him extra hurt so we can get him over here. You know, <laughs> place Tom Brady. But the last five weeks, he was horrible. Uh, the last uh, of that of that 2018 season, he really dragged his his whole season down with just like. Three in the last three games of the season were like three of they fell off a pro, cliff. 50.2, 49.2, pro football focus ratings. That's like really bad. So yeah, the injury the injury question marks are are huge here, and it's why it took so long for him to get signed. I think if he can go out and do physicals and show every team that he's healthy, he probably gets like a twenty million dollar contract from someone. You know, maybe whether it's the Chargers to kind of bridge the gap to their to their rookie quarterback or you know another team that has no quarterback like the jaguars or it's still baffling that the bears didn't go after him yeah that's weird the the browns actually called him which i think is interesting it made me really like stefanski though because it it's like hey he's willing to 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 take risks to make his team good yeah i gained a little i gained a little respect for him even though i that 
that uh, like all new coordinators thing is still still bugs me. But uh, <laughs> um, and Kevin, no, the one season that Alex Van Pelt was the OC of the Bills in 2010 doesn't do much for me. Okay, just <laughs> still, checking. Still, you know? still, just want to just want just before you brought it up, just wanted to let you know. Um, but yeah, for me, it bumped him up from eight and eight to to eleven, and, or I am seven and nine, right? I bumped him up to 11 and five. I think that 10 and six maybe is more realistic. I got a little overzealous right at first. Probably 10 and, 10 and six would be. Dude, uh, we all know you stand hard for the hoodie. I just think that their coaching is awesome. And the giving them something, a uh, player like Cam Newton to mold into their into their offense. I mean, we saw Tom Brady's corpse take them to quite a few wins last year. And yeah, maybe the there's a ceiling on this team because it's a, a really good defense with a with a offense that can't. It's not explo- It's just not ex- going to be an explosive offense, right? At the, even if the offense is decent, it's not going to be explosive. They're not going to like push the ball downfield and may have a bunch of big plays and stuff like that. And their running back situation uh, bears that out as well. So, yeah, I like them for ten and six, be in the mix for the division championship, and you know, like a the two two three kind of range, two three seed in the uh, AFC. Eric, did it change your prediction for them at all? Or are you st- no? I had with- a I had them at ten and six, and the Bills are are held back by their quarterback, and now the the Patriots don't are not. It's uh, well, you said, of the world, gentlemen. I you feel said like you in the preview this. that the, they were going to pull a rabbit out of their hat at quarterback. So I, I think your ten and six had it cooked in. Yeah, you you. I feel like you kind of knew that you are you are like the <clears throat> the psychic. You had the crystal ball out. You were I like, mean, let's face it. You you keep me around on this show for my predictions and. uh my general football observances and the quilting was not going to let this go. He was, he was either going to put some sort of brain chip in the quarterback he had, or he was going to go out and get Cam Newton or, you know, get Mitch Trubisky and then yank his mask off. And it was going to be young Tom Brady underneath. You know, something was going to happen. We knew it the was Medina happen. Maverick making his choices. <laughs> so, all right. So that's, that's it. That was the big NFL story this week. I just like, couldn't, I, I just couldn't believe what was happening. It was, I saw the, I got the text and I just looked at my phone and I just like, couldn't believe, I just couldn't believe it. It's uh, I feel like, you know, an Aaron Paul in, uh, in breaking bad when he's just like, they can't keep getting away with this. <laughs> that, that was me, man. Like they just, they just can't keep getting away. Like I have so much respect for their coaching staff, but I want them to flame out spectacularly because I'm so bitter about that Super Bowl. So, so like, I just want it to happen and it's just never going to happen. You know, it's, I should just give up hope. They're, they're, they're going to be good forever. It is what it is. So, all right, let's get, let's get into it. This week we are going to be talking about the AFC South. Um, so the AFC South last year uh, was won by the first team we're talking about, the Houston Texans. They went 10 and 6. They brought in Randall Cobb, Brandon Cooks, Eric Murray, and David Johnson. They lost DJ Reader, Carlos Hyde, DeAndre Hopkins. And in the draft, they brought in Ross Blacklock, favorite of the Seahawks Nest Discord, uh, Jonathan Grenard, and John Reed, uh, Seahawks Connection. They, of course, still have Jacob Martin putzing around their roster. So, start with you, Kevin. Kevin, what do you think about the Texans? Uh, I thought the Texans were a underwhelming 10-6 and 6 last year. They had a negative point differential. They weren't really a top 15 or even top 20 team in the league um, overall by a lot of statistical measures. So um, I I felt like their 10 and 6 was kind of false. So I was already coming in kind of down on them. I think it's interesting that they basically swapped out DeAndre Hopkins to create more, I guess, breadth at the wide receiver position. Yeah, they're, they're like, well, let's have not everyone can get hurt. If we have like 11 potentially decent, actually they have a lot of decent wide receivers on their roster. It's like, yeah, it's this went, whole question. Like if we have nine twos and threes, does that make up for having zero ones? It's like cooks, fuller, Cobb, Cootie stills, like all these guys can play. None of them suck. And Randall Cobb, that's a weird thing about Randall Cobb. How old do you think Randall Cobb is? Uh, way younger than you think. He's like 28. He's 29. I was yeah. like, I was like, Randall Cobb's been around forever. He's yes. so old. And then I was like, because I'm doing like my fantasy football spreadsheet, you know? And then I look at the age column for Randall Cobb and I'm like, Randall Cobb's 29? Right. I was like, maybe he's not washed. <laughs> maybe he'll be fine. The only thing bad thing about Randall Cobb is he wears a hoodie under his jersey. <laughs> Does he really? <laughs> yeah, yes. dude. It drives me nuts. Uh, I think the DJ Reader loss is really bad. 
Um, their defensive line was already thin and it relies on JJ Watt playing more than six games a season. And I don't know if we can rely on that. And they signed um, Tammy Jernigan, but then now apparently that's not happening. Timmy Jernigan's a free agent again. So that's, that's weird. That's bad. Thought, yeah. It's like that, that was like a thing that gives you pause, right? You're like, okay, what? Well, that's um odd. Yeah. So they're relying on either Eddie Vanderdose to do something or Ross Blacklock to be ready to play right away. I don't think either of those is a great thing. I don't think they have like an amazing option at the other end spot. Um, so it's going to be a lot of relying on Whitney Merciless again. Uh, mm-hmm. There's still questions about corner. They picked up Gary on Conley for a song and dance, which I think was a good move. But now you have Gary on Conley and Bradley Roby, who I also don't think are guaranteed to be able to be like really high level outside corners. They picked up Vernon Hargreaves, who I think makes their roster worse. Um, they got Eric Murray at safety, which I think is so like their defense is a giant question mark. Their offense is a giant question mark. Like their O line is still, um, just like Laramie Tunsil and dudes. So I don't see a reason to think that they're going to be better than the team that they were last year. And the team that they were last year was kind of a false 10 and six. So I have them at seven and nine. How dare you do my boy, Nick Martin like that, Kevin. He's deal with very, it. he's very decent. Wrong, Martin. Dad. <laughs> he's very, he's very okay at football. <laughs> they, they got, uh, the, they got the less good Martin. Um, okay, I'll go next. Um, I think this team is is super okay. I'm really high on Deshaun Watson, and that makes me think that they they still should be good. I and also let me say this: I want to be on this corner. Bill O'Brien is not that bad of a football coach. He's a really garbage diarrhea tier GM maybe the worst in the whole league. I'm so glad that's not his job anymore, but his, as far as like being a head coach and running an offense, he's pretty good. And so I don't think they'll completely fall flat on their face. They started to use Jacob Martin more towards the end of last year. And it was a f- effective secondary source of pass rush. To me, it comes down to the ceiling of this team will be determined by the health of JJ Watt. If JJ Watt's healthy plays in all 17 games and looks good that are 16 games, sorry, this team will be good. They'll be like 10 and six. I think 17 was good because they will be 10 and six with a first round playoff exit because it's Bill O'Brien right. team. Yeah. They'll, they'll lose in the playoffs. Exactly. 17 was correct. <laughs> they'll blow, they'll blow like a huge lead again. What, what was that? Um, <laughs> but every couple but years they have, they have, um, you know, and DJ reader, like they, they did a good job backfilling that hole. And then they, I don't know what happened with Timmy Jernigan. Like that's like totally weird to me. Um, so, if they if they can find another player like there's still guys there's a ton of guys still floating around that are available to just play that people aren't signing i think because they want to see if they're in shape or not before they before they actually sign them like nobody wants to sign snacks harrison and then have him playing his way into shape well actually that, you heard what's up with snacks harrison that that's a disaster if he actually has a deal he actually has deals um on the table mm-hmm. but he just had uh gosh i want to say it was twin girls and there's some respiratory issues in this house. So he wants to see how the NFL is handling the COVID situation before he ends up doing something that kind of threatens the health of the kids in his house. So I just sure. thought that I mean, was interesting. I'm story. sure a lot of, I'm sure a lot of these guys have offers on the table too. Like all these interior defenders and guys that are still available, like they all probably have an offer or two on the table, but like, yeah, they got to see how the situation develops for sure. And you don't want to play for peanuts or like on a prove it deal and then like get COVID. You know, so a lot of these guys are probably not going to take less just to play. Right. That's not going to that something like that would happen normally. Like a guy might take six million one year to go play for the Seahawks on their defense and then prove it. They might just say, you know what, I'll pass this year. I'll kick the can down the road and play next year. Right. On my prove it deal. Have a year off, not deal with the the bubble and what all this other garbage that's going to happen. So anyway, I like let's do records. I like the Texans for eight and eight, but I think there's upside if Watt can stay healthy. I'm kind of hedging against Watt's health. I will say this before the podcast started, I had him at 10 and six and Kevin kind of was like, do you think really think JJ Watt's going to stay healthy? And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) I just gave up. I folded so quickly on that. I was like, yeah, you're probably right. It's he's so good though. Even last year, his pro football focus rating 87. He had 61 pressures in only 10 games. That's he had 15 uh, run stops. This guy is still so freaking good, dude. Dude, and, you may teach science, man, but you can't deny history. Uh, he he has only 
he has never had a season where he played more than 200 snaps and I've had a pro football focus rating under 86. Yeah. That's nuts, man. He's, he's insanely so, good at football. He's so good. And so, yeah, it, like I said, this, the, this, their ceiling will be determined by JJ Watt's health. If he can stay healthy, this, they will win this division. I'll, I'm just going to say that if he plays in all 16 games, I would be stunned if the Texans don't win this division. All right, Kevin, what's your record? I already gave it seven. Oh, nine. you did seven and nine. Uh, Eric, did you get <clears throat> yeah. a record? I, I there's no way you could put this team at ten and six. That was their record last year, and they lost DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, you know, a big Brandon Cooks Wall- fan. What's that? Not a big Brandon Cooks fan. Uh, I think Brandon Cooks will be fine, and I think it's, I think it's good that they have Deshaun Watson spreading the ball out more. But they had a guy that you could literally just throw the ball to anywhere at any time. They don't have that anymore. And J.J. Watt is done playing a full season. Uh, I'm going to go somewhere in the middle at 9-7 and seven because uh, Bill O'Brien is a very good regular season coach. I've said that since the beginning. Uh, I think that he can maybe push them into a playoff spot, but I think it's going to take uh, a lot of good things going for them. Yeah, they've they've uh, they've won this division a bunch of times in the last uh last few years or since bill o'brien started what he's done six seasons and they won the division four out of the last five years that's probably why he keeps his job yes and he's two and four in the playoffs all right so the next up we have the indianapolis colts the colts uh they added phil rivers deforest buckner trey burton and xavier rhodes they lost jabal sheard clayton gathers and joe haig in the draft they got michael Pittman, jonathan taylor julian blackman and glasses mick kicker uh, they didn't draft him. They just got him after the draft, but I still had to bring it up. <laughs> the Seahawks connection, their starting right guard is Mark Lewinsky. Okay. Eric, start us off. What do you think about the Phil Rivers coming to the Colts? Okay. Well, Mike Lewinsky, two and 14. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Phil Rivers, this is a guy that I've kind of, uh, I haven't been fair to him on this podcast the past three years. Um, and he did he did help ruin my fantasy team last year, uh, as did the man who drafted him. But Philip Rivers, I feel like he is the Colts kind of have that win now attitude. Like they wanted to bring in that that gunslinging quarterback that can put them over the hump. Now is Phil Rivers that guy? He hasn't been in San Diego the last I don't know. Uh, last year he was awful. The year before you could argue that he had some moments. Um, for some reason, I really like Philip Rivers in the Colts. I think that he can, he can dump the ball out for speed. That will help him immensely. Um, he won't have to rely on just, you know, bombing it all the time. I also don't think the Colts are going to be playing from behind more as often as the Chargers did. Um, I think this is good news for both people, but I think you're only going to get one year of Philip Rivers of good Philip Rivers. Yeah, I, um, this roster is pretty rolled up, especially on offense. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack, Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell, T.Y. Hilton, uh, Jack Doyle, and Trey Burton. Like they, they have some weapons for Phil Rivers to throw to. If Phil Rivers doesn't see this year; it's on him. There, and this offensive line is very good. Uh, Quentin Nelson is maybe the best offensive lineman in the whole in the whole league. The defense is coming along slower than I would like. I would really like to see them make bigger moves to get, make this defense better, but uh, they just, they just keep plugging away slowly. DeForest Buckner's a great addition to this defense. Um, Justin Houston, you know, they got him last year and it's, it's slowly getting to a, a level that they're not going to, I mean, they, they have Darius Leonard. He's really good, but they, it's just not a great defense. It's just a merely a good one uh, at this point. Is I it like good it. enough in this division though? I like this team, and I think this is kind of a soft division for sure. That yeah. there's a reason that the Texans have won it for the last six years, and it's that um, that none of these teams are ever really that good. I like the coaching staff. I think it's a decent coaching staff. I'm 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 mildly in on the Colts, but Phil Rivers is getting up there, right? He's 38 years old. I'm just not 100 percent sure how much he has left in the tank. If Phil Rivers can be you know, three years ago, Phil Rivers, they, this team, the sky's the limit. If he's kind of washed, they'll, they'll be okay. They won't be, they won't be great. Um, Kevin, what do you, what do you think about the Colts? Uh, I think there's a lot to like about the Colts. I think DeForest Buckner was a really good pickup for them. 
I think that he uh, does add a stabilizing force on the interior of the defensive line and has some upside as a pass rusher that I think kind of gets forgotten. I think that Philip Rivers, the big thing is this exact roster, basically with Jacoby Brissett, you know, it was a seven and nine team last year with about the same point differential that the Texans had. Um, I do think Phil Rivers is an upgrade on Brissett, but even if Rivers gets hurt, that means they still have like a pretty decent backup. Um, Pittman is a much better wide receiver too than Devin Funches was or whoever else you want to slot in there on that what team if, last year. What if they, Kevin, what if they're instead of their regular backup, they go with purple Cutler? Uh, anyway, Jonathan Taylor at running back, I think is a weapon, especially because, because the offensive line is so good. Um, I agree that the defense isn't like amazing. Uh, I think Xavier Rhodes got swapped in for Pierre Desir. If Xavier Rhodes can capture some of the old magic, that's a wash um, at best. Then I think then it's an upgrade if he can be as good as he was. But if he's the if he's the man from the last two years, then it's a wash. Um, they need Rock Yassin to be good, like right? They they need that to happen soon. Like they need one of these guys they drafted in the last few years: Bobby Okereke, Ben Bonogu, Rock Yassin, Marvell Tell. They need one of these guys to just be like awesome. If one of these guys can like step up and be killer this year, this team will be. This team will take a big jump forward because their defense is close. They have a couple really good pieces. They just need one of these other guys to step up and kind of be really good. Yeah. So the way I end up feeling about it is they're going to end up with probably a middle of the pack defense. And if they can put together like a fringe top 10 offense or better, then I think that's good enough to challenge for the division and probably make the playoffs. So I'm at nine and seven. I also had that at nine and seven and, and because it's 17 playoffs. I mean, nine and seven is just in at this point, I think. Yep. So yeah, I have them. I have them in the playoffs. And actually, that's the division winner for for me in this in this division. But yeah, Eric, what do you have, Matt? Uh, I've got. I'm going full crazy on the Colts. I'm putting them at ten and six, winning the division. All right. Nice. I like it. So then, the next team up is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville went six and ten last year. They added Tyler Eifert, Mike Glennon, Chris Thompson, and Joe Schobert. They lost Clayce Campbell inexplicably. Gave him away for nothing. And uh. Nick Foles, although I would argue that's almost addition by subtraction. Uh, they drafted C.J. Henderson, Caleb on Chisson, and LaVisca Chenault Jr. Seahawks connection. They have two backup defensive linemen from the Seahawks, Al Woods and Cassius Marsh. There you go. Um, let's go ahead and start with Kevin this time. Kevin, what do you think about them Jacksonville Jaguars? Uh, Jaguars are interesting because I think base, I really like their draft a lot. I think they picked up some really good pieces. CJ Henderson is a really like stabilizing solid force at corner. I think uh, Chase on offers upside as a pass rusher when they inevitably end up um, losing Yannick and It looks I, like they're trying to make him kind of their, uh, their Bruce Irvin, right? Like they're going to use him some at linebacker and at defensive end, depending yeah. on the situation. That's kind of, I think that's a good idea for him because his athletic profile is, is crazy. Well, and then you're teaming up with Josh Allen. That also lets Josh Allen commit fully to more of a defensive end position and focus on being a pass rusher. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, their front seven still looks really good. Um, their DBs are still a pretty big question mark. Uh, they lost a boy. They brought in Anderson, uh, Rashawn Melvin. I don't think, you know, really what you're getting. He could be completely washed at this point in his career. So, for that reason, I think, you know, LaVisca Chenault is a playmaker waiting to happen, but I think it might take him a year or two to adjust to the league. Uh, Colin Johnson is a big target. Like, I like a lot of the pieces that they added. Losing Clay's mm-hmm. Campbell and A.J. Boye hurts, but I think they're a team that's going to take maybe a little step in quality of play, even if it maybe doesn't show on the record this year, but position themselves to really show something uh, next year or the year after. So I think they're going to be somewhere in that like six and 10, seven and nine range. So I'll go ahead and put them at seven and nine to say that they progress by one win. All right, Eric. Um, or wait, I'm supposed to go second every time. Haha, <laughs> take that. Uh, <laughs> tricked you. Um, basically, I th- I think that the Jaguars are actually pretty good. Picking up Jay Gruden as the offensive coordinator is a really good idea. It's a deep wide receiver room. Chark, Conley, Westbrook, Chenault. 
Uh, Leonard Fournette is a good running back. Chris Thompson is a great third down back as long as he can stay healthy. Their offensive line is a bit of a question mark. Gardner Minshew is obviously like a moderate question mark. Uh, it was fun last year, but I don't know how what the ceiling is there. The defense has a lot of good pieces, but this is going to be a boom-bust team. I have them somewhere in the middle, but every game, you'll never know what you're going to get, I think, on a week-to-week basis. There will be games they win. They should definitely not win. There will be games they lose that they should certainly not lose. I like the Jaguars for a, a cool seven and nine. I'm right there with you, Kevin. All right, I, ha- I, I have them fighting for like eight and eight. I was kind of like, oh, should I bump them up one more win? But I couldn't do it. I just had them at seven and nine. And I think that it's it's a solid roster, good roster construction, decent coaching staff. They need to either get, if Gardner Minshew makes the leap and is all of a sudden like a top 10 quarterback, uh, that would be, that would make them really good. Um, but I don't, I just don't see it. Yeah. If Gardner Minshew is every game, the player he was in his best games last season, then they're a playoff team. But like, you can't just come in and go, yeah, of course he's going to be his best version of himself every week. Like that's just not smart projection. Gardner Minshew is fun. Like it's fun to have Gardner Minshew's quarterback, but I think that they're low key trying to lose their way into one of these really good, like Trevor Lawrence style. Like really, they want one of those big names. All right, Eric, what do you think about the Jags? Jags were six and ten last year. Uh, in order to improve on that and get to the playoffs, you probably need at least a three-win improvement. Jay Gruden offers something pretty cool for this offense. It's an offensive coordinator that I think could maybe weasel his way into being the head coach at some point, but also just kind of show them something different. I don't really know if I like Gardner Minshew. Nick Foles is not playing as a savior in Philadelphia, so I don't really think he's going to be very good. Um their cornerbacks got a lot worse uh, with some small improvements in the uh, defensive line linebacker area with you guys. I have these guys at seven to nine. And the, and the thing about line, the, the thing is, is that they had two like all world talents, right? They have Clay's Campbell and they have Jalen Ramsey and they lose those guys, and they do replace some of that production. You know, they got Josh Allen, Yannick Ngakwe. They got Clavon Chason. They got, you know, CJ Henderson. Henderson. They're replacing it sort of, but you can't can't go from two tens to a couple sevens and expect there not to be some fall off, and that's that's kind of the problem. Well, I think Allen can be a 10. He's just not a 10 yet. Yeah, he's he's young, right. And Yannick Ngakwe is is young. He's, they franchised him. I don't think he signed the te- the franchise tag yet, though. The problem with guys who haven't signed the franchise tag this year, though, is that you they won't rec- accrue a year anymore. The new CBA doesn't protect them like it used to. So now, right now, there's like you have no leverage. You need to just kind of play it out, and uh, they can't franchise you twice. So you know, just or it, they can, but it's like prohibitively expensive to do so. Last team, last year's Cinderella story, the Tennessee Titans. Titans got nine and seven last year. They added Vic Beasley, J- Jonathan Joseph, and Ty Sambralo. They lost Drell Casey, Jack Conklin, Logan Ryan, Delaney Walker, Cameron Wake, Tajay Sharp, Tremaine Brock, Marcus Mariota. Uh, in the draft, they brought in Isaiah Wilson, Christian Fulton, Darrington Evans, and Seahawks Connection. They have Seahawks practice squad legend Joey Ivy the fourth. Uh, all right, he was on the team for a healthy one month. So, Eric, start us off. What do you think about them Titans? I know that you have your thoughts on the Titans because of the pre, the pregame ritual that we have. Um, I'm going to stake my claim in that this Titan team will not repeat their success of last year. Lots of reasons why, but I'm going to stake my flag in the fact that Ryan Tannehill got that money. And Ryan Tannehill... I don't think he's going to get lazy. I don't think he's going to get fat. I don't think he's going to be all of a sudden terrible. But I think there's just going to be that much regression. I don't know why Ryan Tannehill flipped a switch last year, other than it was a new system and it worked for him. And there's that whole thing about riding the hot hand. Uh, when you're when you're playing well, you're on fire. All these all these stupid sports sayings that. You know, you can kind of argue or true in a sense. Um, You can call it synergy if you'd like to. It's a way that a team works together and just keeps winning. And this team was not meant to get to the Super Bowl and win it. So they got as far as they probably could have and should have, maybe a little farther. 
I see a little regression with Ryan Tannehill, and that is why I have the Tennessee Titans missing the playoffs as their team stands right now. Um, I'm right there. <clears throat> I'm right there with you, Eric. Uh, the Tennessee Titans, I have them at, I'll just start with this. I have them at eight and eight. I don't think you, you lose some of the guys that they lost and then they didn't do quite enough to replace that to me. Now, the big rumor is that they're the front runners for Jadavian Clowney. And if they brought in Jadavian Clowney, I think that would go a long way for me to kind of making me feel better about their defense. I mean, Cameron Wake played 195 situational snaps last year and got 31 pressures. Still really good production. Jarrell Casey was their best interior defensive lineman last year. You can't just let these guys go and then bring nothing back to re- in return and expect the same results unless Tannehill really made the leap and is going to be like the GOAT, and I just don't totally buy it. Tannehill always had talent, but he never put it together. Um, could he be like the... 10th best quarterback in the league? Absolutely. Sure. I can buy that, but I'm just not crazy about this defense, especially the front seven. And uh, also like drafting a running back in the third round when you have Derrick Henry, like I get it, get your succession plan in place for your stupid run first offense. But man, that seems like a huge waste of resources when there was plenty of guys that could could have come in and made an impact on this defense this year available for them. Um, also, their first-round pick probably won't even play. Like, Isaiah Wilson's probably blocked. Taylor Lewan's definitely the last tackle, and Dennis Kelly is probably the right tackle. So, cool for them, I guess, to to tra- use their first-round pick on a guy who's not going to play. Eight and eight. Yeah, I, I led with it. I'm sticking with it. Kevin, what do you think about them Titans? Um, First of all, I think something interesting. So, last year, Ryan Tannehill had a out-of-his-mind season. And I do think expecting him to repeat that is um, unlikely. But he does have twice as many seasons with PFF grades over 80 than Cam Newton does as a starting quarterback. And only one less season with grade above uh, 70 or above. Like, I think Ryan Tannehill is probably going to offer you Andy Dalton level play. And in that Andy Dalton fashion, if everything around him is really good this year again, he'll probably grade out really well and he'll probably put up really efficient quality numbers. So then the big question is, does the loss at right tackle kill him? And I don't think it does, but I do think there's a bit of a step back. So I think you could probably expect a little bit of regression on offense. So then you flip it over and you look at defense. On defense, their losses do worry me quite a bit. Um, Losing Cam Wake and Jarrell Casey off of uh, the defensive front seven, basically defensive line, is really concerning to me um, because those are two veterans. Those are two really high quality players and they really replace them. If you think Vic Beasley is like a great addition to the front seven, then I would like you to look back at Vic Beasley's career. Uh, I think he did have that. He did have that one really good year, though. Yeah, that was that was the thing he did. Um, I think Christian Fulton might be able to come in and uh, help with the DBs as far as, you know, if uh, Jonathan Joseph is just a little bit too old, then he offers an alternative. I think Darrington Evans comes in and replaces Deion Lewis pretty nicely. But I do think there's reasons to believe that they will be probably a slightly worse team than they were last year. I just think with the schedule, with the Texans taking a step back, in my opinion, I have them matching that same nine and seven record uh and uh that means they're gonna duke it out with indy for the division we have a quiet three-year sample of vic beasley being garbage i just want to say that it's not like hey he had that good season two years ago and he could recapture that magic that was 2016 yeah vic beasley's not good he has three seasons playing over 550 snaps with no more than 36 pressures in those in in any one season that is not good yeah, you're much more looking for like, can Jeffrey Simmons be the player we thought he was going to be coming out? Like he basically redshirted for a year. So yeah. is he going to be like that dominant uh, defensive lineman? Uh, can Harold Landry be take take a step forward as a pass rusher? And like those like are all things that are much more likely. Rusher. Not not like a, what would you say Harold Landry is now? A solid rotational guy? He's, he's like, he's a solid guy. He's a dude. Yeah. Harold Landry last year. Uh, what did he, what did he do last year? I'm looking at him up. All right, 65.4. Yeah, he was just a solid rotational player. Nice, nice job by him though. Yeah, you can make a career out of that. 66, yeah. 66 pressures. That's a uh, way better than 
Oh, he played almost 1,200 snaps. Holy smokes. Yeah, he played a ton All of right. snaps. Well, that, that makes it not as impressive as it was a second ago. 66 pressures, but whatever. Okay. <laughs> uh, it was. I was like, oh, that's 66 pressures and 10 sacks. That's not bad. And then I was like, oh, 1,200 snaps. Holy crap. That's a lot of That's a lot of field time. Um, yes. What a warrior. That's That's got to be tough. So, all right. So we all kind of medium on every team in this division, I feel like. I feel like it's a lukewarm all around. Do you guys feel strongly about any team in this division as like a Super Bowl contender? Let's start with Eric. No, I mean, I like the Colts just because there's something exciting about them. Um, but I, I don't see how they can get to the Super Bowl. I think if if we're not looking at outside factors of, you know, other teams and Cam Newton... If you're just staying in the AFC South view, I don't see how you can argue unless you live in Jacksonville and you yell Duval at the top of your lungs, how you can legitimately say any of these teams are a Super Bowl contender until week 12 or 14. Yeah, if, if the Titans can get a hold of uh, Javion Clowney to play DT in their 3-4, I think that's a nice fit and would be really successful even though it's kind of a weird fit, um, but they can like use him inside and then push him outside on some plays when they don't want Vic, Vic Beasley on the field or uh, push Jeffrey Simmons inside and use him outside. Yeah. One of those, one combination of that. Yeah. So like they can, they can kind of play around with that a little bit. And I think that'll actually work, but if they don't end up with Jadavian Clowney, this defense is front seven just does nothing for me. I would be stunned if it was really good. So there you go, Kevin. Kevin, do you see a Super Bowl contender coming out of this division? Yeah, I'm in kind of the same spot. I think if the Titans, like if Tannehill is somehow 2019 Tannehill again, and like this is like the Tannehillissance or something, or if Indy gets 2017 slash 2018 Phil Rivers and not 2019 Phil Rivers, then so basically I'm relying on a quarterback who's never put two seasons in a row together or a quarterback who is pushing his fourth decade. So I can see it if I squint, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not like big on Super Bowl hype from anyone here. Yeah, you, you want to, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. I just think it's not a, it's going to be a fun division. I think you have a lot of really good games coming out of this division. There's gonna be a lot of really interesting matchups. I think they're going to be uh, very enjoyable to watch all season. I just don't see a Super Bowl team. Yeah, I I agree. All right, let's get into it. So, uh, Patreon money zone. Here we go. If you want to support the Seahawks Nest podcast, there are many ways to do so. The best way: head over to Patreon.com/slash/SeahawksNest. Little dollar twenty four a month. Get in the Discord. Once the regular season starts, we'll be getting our gambling thoughts out there. Uh, get, get our weekly gambling thoughts. So, thank you to uh, our new patrons: uh, Michael, Peter, Tony. Uh, Mark, Jay, Lucas, and uh, Ryan, the June new June patrons. Thank you for supporting the show. Also, thank you to the, all those who are longtime patrons. People like, uh, wow, Patreon. Thank, thanks for thanks for this. What is this page that you took me to when I tried to click on? You know what? I'm just not even gonna get mad. I'm just gonna, <laughs> the, even though it ruined everything I was trying to do here. All right, thanks to Lucas, Terry, Tom, James, Timothy, Brett. Tony, Ryan, Brian, Michelle, Philoctimus, Keith, Mike, Karen, Bob, Richard, Jay, Nick, and Brandon. Also, big ups to uh, at Corn is Good on our Discord, always hooking it up and uh, supporting the show, and also being a Rock Blacklock, Black, Ross Blacklock super fan number one. Uh, that that was for you. Okay, this week our uh, our go to we're gonna we're gonna try something new. Okay. So, you know, we had the eliminators, we had the, the, um, the drafts that we did, the fantasy drafts. I thought like, what's a way we can do this that would be fun. So I, um, I thought back to those old, uh, T-Mobile commercials with, uh, Dwayne Wade and Charles Barkley and, uh, Dwayne Wade and Charles Barkley would, would, uh, talk about how they were in their fave five. Do you remember fave five, Kevin? Your fave five? Dude, I, I remember I had a fave five. I, okay. I was an early T-Mobile guy. Nice. Eric, did you, do you remember Fave 5? Yeah, but I never had T-Mobile. Of I just remember anything with Charles Barkley because he's hilarious. <laughs> he's, yeah. a, he's a chubby man who says, well, come on. And I think Dwayne Wade certainly gave him uh, his his fair share of fat jokes in those commercials. Yeah. Ke- Kevin, who was in your Fave 5? Uh, 
because that was five people that you could call unlimited, right? You could you could call them as many times as you want. So, and also you you automatically got your family, right? Or did you not? I don't know because big. I was not in a. It was not a family plan. It was after I got my first apartment. Okay, so who was in your fifth five? Probably like your mom and your dad, your brother. Uh, so the house line for my parents. Okay. Um, because at the time they still didn't have cell phones. Nice. Uh, my brother. Brother, nice. Uh, let's see. Um. Uh, and a couple of mutual friends of ours. Okay, and then your girlfriend at the time? Uh, no, because we were on the same phone plan. Oh, okay. So we got the autos. Nice. So like, all right, sweet. So you had the Faye Five. You're ready. So you understand this. This is the movies that you want to call back all the time or, or talk to for for long hours. This is the our, ones you're going to log the most minutes with. The one you want to log the most on. So this, you know, the it's gonna it's gonna exclude some of the uh, hard watches, you know, that you don't want to rewatch. But we're gonna start off with the Faye Five for Nicolas Cage. I think it's the perfect place to start for our podcast because Nicolas Cage is uh, a little bit crazy, a little bit wild, and. Uh, both good and terrible, just like the Seahawksness podcast. Yeah, equal parts trash and exceptional. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> all right, we're all gonna start off. We're just gonna we're gonna throw some throw some movies out there. Eric, what's a movie that you think should be in our Fave Five? Okay, so this is this is tough because I don't know how many people have seen this movie, but it's a movie that I genuinely I really like. It's maybe my favorite Nick Cage movie. Definitely my favorite. Uh, David Lynch movie, and that is Wild at Heart. Uh, if if I knew to need to explain this movie, I don't know if I can. It is bizarre. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's a David Lynch movie, so to say, it's bizarre is redundant. But I don't know. You've got great, honestly, great performances by Laura Dern, Nicolas Cage, uh, Willem Dafoe. Um, Jeez, I have a question for you. I'm having to look this thing up. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. So you put this in your fave five. I have a question. Is it because there's so many sex scenes in this movie? This is a, <laughs> this is a legitimate question. Uh, you know, teenage Eric Ronnebeck saw this movie and probably thought of it. Um, the women are not busty. So that's an argument against what I'm telling you. What Your argument, Nathan Sano. I will say this. Um, I too... I will say this is like the first art house movie. It's sounds like a real bodice ripper there, Eric. (laughs) (laughs) I I hate, I hate saying art house. This is the first weird movie that I felt like I got. Okay. So when I was in junior high, I started to like watch films, you know, not just kickboxer or little Eric Rodebeck with his beret smoking out of one of those little cigarette holders he's watching it on eight millimeter in black and white going "Mm, the cinematography in this is fantastic and i uh and i referred to myself as a necromancer no um, and then he thought he was very auteur i really i really relate to sailor i tried i tried to to have an homage for everything no uh it was like an it was a it was a weird movie like i felt that i understood i watched this movie a couple summers ago and it was shorter than the version I watched. Like there were some things missing. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's the first time I saw Nicolas Cage for being Nicolas Cage. But something about this movie, just the performances, not the overall script because it's weird. But the performances are just so rad. And, you know, Nicolas Cage, he's at the center of it all being full Nick Cage. You know, I will say it's a Nick Cage, David Lynch combo. It is a movie I have not seen but is actually on my watch list for the month of July. So I'll be able to give back my information on this. Yeah, later. If you can watch the extended cut, Kevin, it's, um, I it's don't know. A, is it worth it? Sure. It's, it's, worth <laughs> it, it's David Lynch. So it's probably very self-indulgent. I mean, it's this movie. For those of you who don't know, this is the twin peaks guy. Yeah. I'm not a huge David Lynch fan. I'm just going to start off with that. And like, there's just, it's just like weird stuff happens in this movie and I, I don't know, man, it's, it's, it's all right. Like I, 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 I don't know. I can't get into David Lynch stuff. So it's like kind of hard for me to, to David give Lynch, like a real in or you're out. Like it, like yeah. no one, no one's ever like, Oh, did that David Lynch movie was okay. Like no one's ever had thought, thought that. Like, I, I just want to say like, I saw a racer head, like when I was in call, uh, I have been like a senior in high school and I watched a racer head at some, at someone's house. And I, I was just like, man, all asleep. this is certainly something. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just kind of how I feel about the end of most of David Lynch, 
David Lynch's works, man. It's just like, this is, this is something there's, there's something going on here. It's just not for me. I, I think I feel the same way about this movie. And I think my biggest takeaway from this movie was all the, all the sex. That, that's why I brought it up. Um, there's a lot of good actors <laughs> in the movie, like Crispin Glover, Willem Dafoe, uh, Laura Dern, Nicholas Cage. Like this has got a great cast. Harry D. Stanton. And, and like, yeah, if, if you're, if, this, if you're, Stanton, sorry. yeah, Harry Dean Stanton, who's in everything. Yeah. If you're in, if you're into, if you're into, david lynch like this is going to be your cut and it's 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 a good solid entry in the david lynch canon um i don't know it's on the fringe for me eric i, I could be convinced um i'm gonna we're gonna see where it lands okay there's some there's right. some heavy contenders coming up though okay can i give an honorable mention right now go for but, it like it, it's definitely not going to make the list but uh grindhouse okay i don't know if you remember <laughs> in grindhouse yes. so at the at the end and there's a, there's two movies right there's there's death proof and there's planet terror it's and the then, intermission and there's an intermission in the middle where they show like three advertisements for other fake movies and one is like a, a eli roth a movie called thanksgiving there's an edgar wright movie called uh, don't that, the, that there's a trailer for and then there's rob zombie <laughs> made a trailer for a movie called werewolf woman of the ss and in this trailer <laughs> nicholas cage plays a deranged like doctor of the nazi party called dr fu manchu and he has a huge fu manchu um and it says something like and nicholas cage as dr fu manchu and then it's just nicholas cage doing nicholas cage things for like 30 seconds and it's amazing and um i think that that kind of sums up my feelings on nicholas cage so i want to put a movie in that captures that like batshit crazy like Nicolas Cage, anything can happen. He freaks out. Um, I think you have to have like at least one movie like that in your Fate Five. Now people are gonna be like, "Well, you got to do Wicker Man." And I will say, Wicker Man's cool. I like that he dresses up in a bear costume and punches a lady. That's pretty <laughs> cool. But I think that the quintessential crazy Nicolas Cage movie is Vampire's Kiss, 1989. Every like funny thing. Um, I mean. <laughs> I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire. I'm a, I mean, there's so many things. There's a scene in this movie where he does the ABCs front to back, uh, when he's trying to yell at someone about oh, a man. filing and system. Think he's and going to stop so you, many times. You keep thinking like, okay, he'll only go to like, to like J, you know, he's not going to go all the way to Z and he just keeps going. And, um, <laughs> it's just a, a bizarre movie where, you know, I mean, Nicholas Cage thinks he's a vampire. It's, it's a when dark he gets comedy. The fake teeth. So here's the thing is that this movie, a lot of people don't get it because they don't think that it it's intentionally funny. Like this is supposed to make you laugh. I think people think like, oh, they're just accidentally making you laugh. He's just hand. it's supposed to be funny. It's supposed to be over the top and cheesy and funny. And it's like that's what makes the performance so great is that uh, it's just it's it's hilarious. I love it. So, um, yeah, it's it's cool. I'm I'm into that my my argument vampires kiss I it's probably my number uh, one Nicolas Cage uh, movie uh, in terms of like rewatching because like I I could always put this on and just laugh really hard so there you go um, Kevin right, so what's, I have your, to hit what's your the, first entry I have to hit the third spoke because we there's three spokes of Cage there's legitimate actor Cage which I'd say Wild at Heart is uh, is striking towards. There is a uh, full cage, which Vampire's Kiss is, you know, the spirit animal of. And then there's action movie cage. And I know I'm going to have to go to bat against a movie that Nathan's going to mention later. But to me, the quintessential action movie cage. I'll have to go to bat for this one against uh, one of Eric's favorites, too. And one of each of his favorites. Uh, but my favorite is Con Air. Because Con Air is the most movie movie that has ever been made. Everything that is movie is in this movie. Uh, Steve Buscemi plays uh, Hannibal Lecter. Uh, John Malkovich plays a criminal mastermind. Uh, you know, Nick Cage's hair plays a superhero. Uh, <laughs> he also has like the worst, like weird Southern, like hodgepodge accent thing going on for no reason whatsoever. Um, wasn't it based off the success of Forrest Gump? Sure, we'll go with that. Uh, wow. Dave Chappelle is in this movie. Like, everyone is in this movie. This movie has an amazing cast. Uh, John Cusack is in it. Um, it's it's ridiculous and action-y and over-the-top. And 
um, just like amazing. It's 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 a life experience to watch Here, this movie. Here's my thing with Con Air. Okay, is that if you catch that movie from like 20 minutes after it starts on, like on TV or something, that's perfect because this movie is way too long. And it, by the end of the movie, I'm just like, come on, man! Like, this, this, why is there more of this? <laughs> like, <laughs> see, I'm just happy just, there's more because I wasn't ready to. I wasn't ready to part ways with it. It just lets. It's so many. At the that's end of the why movie, it's in it's my so, five. It's so stupid because I want to like, spend all the minutes with it. I can. It's like at the end of the movie. It's like too. It's spot like on. Too, it's too much. Like it's it's completely know. unnecessary. Absolutely yeah. unnecessary. Why are they like the whole rest of the movie? Like they're on the Las Vegas Strip and like it's just like oh my gosh, this is yeah, yeah. When they take off in the fire truck, not needed, not needed <laughs> yeah. at all. But uh, uh, the fact that they end with Steve Buscemi at the uh, at the craps table is perfect. All right, now let's let's um let's just quick fire. Let's bring up like with one sentences. Let's just take turns uh, bringing up movies that we think should be contenders. Okay, I'm gonna start. National Treasure because it's like so Nicolas Cage. It's stupid. Uh, the plot is ridiculous, but it's so fun. It just like it just makes me think. Um, when I think of Nicolas Cage, like National Treasure is like one of the first movies that comes to my mind. It's like you know we got to steal the Declaration of Independence. It's just yeah. it's so quintessentially Cage. And my favorite act- dumb thing about that movie is that for absolutely no reason he just knows everything and is supremely confident in all of it. <laughs> yeah, it's so stupid. It's basically just Nick Cage knows stuff. The movie. Yeah. Um. All right, Eric. What's a movie you? What's a Nick Cage movie you want to put on the table? Okay, so there's a lot to put in here. Like, you can go classic, you can go newer, and I don't want to go newer because I feel like Nick Cage is now niche Cage. Aha. Uh-huh. They've put him into his own little Nick Cage niche and they say, We're gonna write this and it's gonna be stupid and crazy and it's perfect for Nick and, Cage. I and we know Nick Cage will do it. Movie that they want Man- Mandy is a good example of that. Okay, yeah, and I, I'm I haven't seen Mandy. Um, maybe if I saw it I'd put it up there. But because of that and because I know it's gonna get voted off and it's probably just gonna win number one John Travolta movie, I'm putting face off on here. Because it's so stupid. It's full cage. It's even full Travolta. I'm putting it on here. Mainly so Kevin can roll his eyes. And I miss Kevin. I don't get to see you guys. I don't get to see him roll his eyes. But I just know it's going to be there. Kevin smirking. Okay. I love John Woo. I love Nicolas Cage in this movie. But why is John Travolta sucks? And why is this movie 140 minutes long? Because John Travolta sucks. That's also, the, I'm really glad the guy from I'm really glad Vinny Barbarino got to be in a movie with John Travolta or got to be in a movie with Nick Cage and uh, the John Woo directed. This, well, this, is, this is at the height of both of their careers when they were both like the top leading men. That's what's that's what's lost on this. And this John Woo shot, is his first this American shot really movie. Well. What's that? Yeah. First, no, this his first sh- American movie was not Face Off. It's shot. This movie shot really well. By the way, I'm just gonna throw well, that out there too. It's John Woo. Hard course, Target John was John Woo. Was John Woo yeah. for American? They, movie we had Hard Target and Broken Arrow. Eric, don't. Why would you leave Broken Arrow uh, out like another, that? Another, another uh, John Travolta is his <laughs> greatest American broken, movie. I'm sorry, Broken Broken Arrow is terrible. It is terrible. It's, <laughs> it's so bad. I'm, I'm not. Even, I'm gonna say Hard Target's good either. No, but Hard Target's uh, enjoyable. Hard Target's <laughs> fun, but it's bad also. It's bad One too, reason yeah. why this is on the list, though, Ichiro's favorite movie. It is Ichiro's favorite movie. That's true. That that you you're you're bringing me back around on it. All right, you, All right. you gave the one argument for why I might like it. All right, <laughs> All right. Kevin, you got another one. All right. So, um, what I think is actually his best acting job, and also probably the best movie in which he has a lead role, is Raising Arizona. It's one of my favorite Coen Brothers movies. It's very funny. Um, the cast overall is excellent, and he holds his own on screen with some really good people. Um, I just think that he. And like he has to narrate. And so he manages to like he's good as a narrator. He's good within the scenes. He has some action scenes that he does well in Um, for a guy who ends up being a future action star. He just gets his butt kicked a lot in this movie. And uh, it's like good. Like there's good physical comedy, but also really good situational comedy that I think it's one of the stronger Coen Brothers movies. The social commentary pieces of it are really good. All right, we got one more round to go uh, before we have to peg down the fave five. I'm gonna bring. I'm gonna make sure to bring up uh, the Rock. Uh, the Rock is Michael Bay's only good movie. 
And so for that, I must give it some credit. I love the interplay between, between Sean Connery and uh, and Nicolas Cage. This movie should also not be 140 minutes, though. It's like, um, it's. I have the same problem with it that I that I do have with um Con with Air. Con Air, which is that like at the end of this movie, I'm like, okay, I'm done. Like this is was this was. Notice just how The Rock, much. Con Air, and Face Off are all probably his three best action Nick Cage movies, and they're all like 15 minutes too long. Yeah. All right, Eric. What's your uh, what's your one? What's another one that you like? No, this is really hard because I didn't want to go newer movies. <sighs> I I guess I'm. We all I'm going to have to go with because I haven't seen Mandy, um, and I'm certainly not going to go into any of like the weird Bangkok dangerous movies. I'm going to choose a Trust movie that didn't belong there. Cage from the uh, from the very beginning. And it's a newer movie, and it was uh, it was a nice surprise. It's called Mom and Dad. It's okay. it's not a movie that's going to make the list, but it was a uh, it was like a a somewhat horror movie about a disease or some sort of virus that makes parents go crazy. Um, I don't know how many people saw this movie. It's streaming, I still think, on Hulu. Uh, very enjoyable, very uh, very Nick Cage. But I want to argue that he's toned down Nick Cage, like he's. He's a more mature, crazy person, and it works really well. And I just wanted to bring this movie out because I don't want to go with anything like. I feel I, like we've we've hit all the big, uh, known movies, and I know that uh, there's maybe something Kevin has up his sleeve, but I just really want to bring attention to this movie. Mom and Dad, see it if you want to. It's um, it's only a couple years old, and it's uh. It's a more mature, crazy. How can, how can you say we've hit every big movie and we haven't even talked about Moonstruck yet, Eric? I know how much you love Cher. <laughs> Before we started the episode, I was like, yeah, Moonstruck. <laughs> I would All say right. Moonstruck. It might be a romantic comedy with Cher, but it's no, it could happen to you. Yes. All right. Kevin, you got another one? Put in the uh, so, all right. I'm, I'm not like a huge leaving Las Vegas person. Uh, so that's like not really on here for me. Uh, if you think Spider-Verse should be on here, then I would like you to check and see what a Nick Cage movie is. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, let's not do that. It's kind of a, like a, it, I mean, if it's just like the best movie that I think he said, I, um, there's two movies kind of missing for me still. So I'm going to uh, hit one of them. You know, uh, I, uh, Fast Times, I also think is not a Nick Cage movie. Um, so like I would think about Kick-Ass and I would think about uh, Gone in 60 Seconds and the thing is, I don't love those movies as much as I love anything else that's on here. But if I had to put one of them on here, I'm probably going to go with uh, Gone in 60 Seconds because I love cars. Uh, I, what about Matchstick Men? Uh, it um, doesn't do anything for me. Really? I think it's like a really good like Ridley Scott ensemble kind of. I have not seen it in forever. I just remember not caring for it the first time I saw it. I think that you might like it now, like knowing your taste in movies. Like it's 2003. Might... I think I saw it with my parents. Yeah, Eric, what do, you think about what do you think about Matchstick Men? Same as me or same as Kevin? Same as Kevin. Oh, wow. All right. Um, well, and also, that's they... also why I didn't put uh, Kick-Ass on here, because it's uh, he's he's an auxiliary player in that movie, although very good. Agreed. All right. So uh, let's see. I think our fave five is pretty much set then. Uh, it's going to be... Uh, what was that movie? movie uh eric picked wild at heart okay we got wild at heart then we have um kevin your pick con air con air yeah <clears throat> i can't even remember the movie i picked it was so long ago but we're picking it vampire's kiss vampire's okay kiss. okay now we gotta figure out the last two i, I think national Tre- treasure and raising arizona is what i would put for i think raising arizona and face off and mostly just because Face Off is so iconically Cage, and I do think if I saw this movie on TV and I was flipping channels, I would stop and watch some of it. If I had a like UN veto, I would use it on uh, Face Off just because I don't want John Travolta on any list. <laughs> Not Which even is like, really gonna. It's gonna hit hard when we do the John Travolta list in 170 episodes. I can't wait for you guys to do that episode without me. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, it was only, my fave five is none here. of them how about how about the rock is that a good compromise or did we already say the rock i said national treasure would be good too so we got okay, treasure or the rock i think it has to be between those i think you can't 
it, face off has to be mentioned, but I don't think it should be on the top five. I feel okay. like I feel like The Rock and Con Air both being on there is kind of redundant, but National Treasure is slightly older, slightly wiser Nick Cage. I like The Rock more than Con Air. I'm just gonna say that. Um the all right, fine, whatever. National Treasure National Treasure is like a it, it's like the uh garbage tier popcorn. Okay, you want to know how much how many how much uh, I've done with National Treasure in my life though? Um, the National Treasure DVD has like a puzzle you can solve. Me and my sister <laughs> solved it. We like went through all the all the different screens, and there's all these different things you have to find and stuff. It's so stupid, but I did that because uh, that's how much. <laughs> but you spent I, time on it, and it was fun. It's so See? National Treasure is dumb. It's so yes. so stupid and ridiculous, but I like it. It's it's fun. All right. Sure, it's perfectly caged. National Treasure, it is. So uh, there you go. There's our fave five: National Treasure, Vampires, Kiss, uh, The Rock, right? Kev- no, Connor, Raising Arizona. I can't remember things that we did heart. five minutes ago. That's how you know I'm tired. All right, for Kevin Garber, for Eric Ronabek, we will see you next week. Go Hawks. <laughs>